Welcome back to Our Childhood Sucked. In this episode, our team breaks down how pop culture affected our thoughts and ideas on gender roles. Among a variety of topics, we discuss Shakespeare, the cat in the hat, the need to be strong and perfect, and Anne Hathaway being ugly in The Devil Wears Prada. This episode was recorded on a November 18th, 2020. So applying to gender, my friends, I asked you two questions in the doc to consider. Um for us today and then there will be three questions and then there's a fourth magical question that Ezra will do after our break whoa wow (laughs) our first question is what pieces of pop culture impacted how you viewed your gender and your gender expression we love it this is an interesting question (laughs) yes Um, I think this is an interesting question right because the answer is everything right is it like not to get all like trans activist on everybody but like we are gendered sometimes often violently from a very young age through every piece of media we, assume, we, we consume, right? Is that every single thing from fucking fairy tales to colors to TV shows are gendering us. Um, and so the way I thought about this question is like, what are the places where I found like an escape from that? Um, and I think that like the biggest ones for me were like people like David Bowie who would like gender bend and still be like sexy and cool and like, Rocky Horror, but really, if I'm being honest with myself, and I really apologize to everybody else for bringing this up, but really for me, what what did that for me was Shakespeare, of the like the gender fuck in as you like it in Twelfth Night in those Shakespeare things were like the first time as a kid where I was like, ooh, we can like gender's performance and we can play it, you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. like, I would say that you know it's weird to think about Shakespeare being more progressive than like most of the culture that was coming out when we were kids but I think in a lot of ways it is is that like Rosalind and Byler are never jokes like there's humor that comes from that but like the fact that it's a woman in drag is not or somebody not necessarily performing their gender in the way that we assume they should is never taken as inherently funny in a way that I think in a lot of shows and movies it was like oh look at that it's a guy in a dress yeah, the guy in the dress thing is like such a ingrained trope in the media. Like, not even just guy in dress, but like, uh, I think like you can name like like Michael Myers. Like any movie that Michael Myers is is like person dresses up as stereotype of this exaggerated genre uh, gender trope. Like fat bastard is still like a weird <laughs> take on like what a fat male acts like sounds like looks like all that shit um wait did he ever dress like a woman yeah and cat in the hat yeah he did he was a female cat for some of that movie now that's a very <laughs> sorry <laughs> as i have a mental breakdown of the middle of this podcast like yeah the cat in the hat was like that's <laughs> a weird gender fuck moment no um but yeah mostly yeah most of the gender fucking i think the first piece that i saw most recently I like didn't feel like that was maybe like Hedwig, like the movie Hedwig, or it wasn't a joke. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I agree that it's hard to like pinpoint one. It's impossible to pinpoint one piece of media that is like this is where I learned gender from because it is conditioned to us for you know our whole entire lives. And honestly. I did not 
I honestly had no idea of anything outside of a gender binary until I was well graduated from college. So definitely from when I was, um, you know, zero to 18, like I just, I understood not being cis as like a faraway concept that had nothing to do with me. Like mm -hmm. that's what it was to me. Um, so I just understood like, this is what women are, this is what men are. And like, this is, these are the roles that they're supposed to play and how to play like within those, those roles. Um, and I think of like, particularly, I think particularly in, in circles of color, the, the gender like disparity is very, very stark and it's very, very staunch and it's very, very much so upheld and meant to be, it's almost like if you're threatening that, then you're threatening the structure as a whole, if that makes any sense. Mm. So especially, I think a lot of, I think I learned a lot about, internalized a lot about gender through like music, especially, mm. um, especially like R&B music, hip hop music, um, and what the role of a woman is supposed to play. She's supposed to be hyper feminine, hyper sexual, um, but also cooks and cleans. Like basically like freaking, what do you call it? Uh, like freak in the streets, a woman in the streets, freak in the sheets, like that kind of, yep. <laughs> that kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, I think I just internalized a lot of very narrow, and very impossible ways of like what it is to be this or that. And then for men, they're, men are expected to be like super, like not emotional, pragmatic, logical all the time. Um, the providers, quote unquote. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at that for now. Yeah. There's something interesting in the the lack of emotion thing. Um, it just feels like I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but I think we were trained from a young age to like really like the white sociopathic man trope. <laughs> and the earliest I saw that was a Saved by the Bell, where Zach Morris is 100% a sociopath, like literally does nothing but like mentally and emotionally, and then sometimes physically abuse his friends and Kelly Kapowski into liking him but doesn't feel remorse for things. That's like the training wheels to like Dexter. And then like, now I think about you where like even the actor who should step up and maybe not play that role if he's so against it. Uh, but like being like, yeah, why do so many people find this desirable for a man to be one emotionally distant and two like straight up just abusive to that point um, and how we condone that. And we are like, that seems fine. But then I think about Gone Girl and the controversy with Gone Girl was like, there's a woman killing somebody and having no emotion about it. Like, what's that about? I'm like, what the, f like, what? <laughs> it, uh, just bizarre. And music, I, yeah, music plays a heavy part. Like, I, yeah, you think about like, uh, what's, uh, uh, what's it called? Get Low. Like the entire song is like, she's going to get on her knees and like suck my dick. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, that's cool. We're just normalizing that. That's great. Fantastic. Oh, 
Iya. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The cog the the cognitive dissonance that I feel like listening to hip hop music today is like mm-hmm. hey, the misogyny. Hey, <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> like what do you even do? Funny. Sorry. No, you go. You go. You go. Uh, I think it's like ah. <laughs> people can't see me doing this now. I'm thinking about it. Um, I think it's funny because um, like Brazil has huge rates of um, feminicide. Is that how you call it? Yeah, and um, and I, I'm gonna come to the connection to why this <laughs> connects. But uh, Genevieve always said that I have little boy energy, um, and I I always agreed with that because I feel like I am a little boy, <laughs> like constantly. Um, and then I look back at the media that I consumed, and it was a lot of like little animals. You know, it was never, um, it was never in my face the the binary because I I never liked the dolls like I always liked the little bears little like little animals so for me um, I think I I protected myself in that way and it's funny because my dad like he would he would call me baby you know when I was growing up um, and then it became my son like I was my my dad's son. And then, like, he would switch. So, like, for me, it was, um, I think, I think I was very lucky that it never felt like um, binary was something that I had to follow suit, you know. It came more from my mom being like, you need to dress like this, you need to do this. And I'm like, why? And it's just like, because I want to. And I'm like, okay, but I don't want to, you know. (laughs) So, like, and so the media that I consumed didn't make me feel forced to do that. Um, But. I, I am sure that's not the norm in, in, in Brazil and up to like very recently, just the way that women were supposed to, you know, not study and find a good husband. And, you know, that's, that was the peak of your life um, and how it still happens today and how like media portrays that still like up to right now, you know, like the, the, um, and even like uh, YouTubers or Instagrammers, you know, like that that idea of of what women should do and and what they should look like and 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 how that's that and that's it and that's that's all. <laughs> um, it's it never really hit my brain in a way that stayed. I don't know if anyone had any experience like that. And it was always teddy bears, you know. <laughs> um, I got. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, Dino. Oh, okay. Um, I guess I I was very into dolls, and uh, you know, I watched you know Disney princess movies. I watched Barbie movies. I had so many Barbies. Um. And I've been, yeah, it's so funny. Like, I feel like for some reason when I was a kid, I so desperately wanted to be a tomboy. And I don't remember when 
this idea entered my head of the tomboy, but it's, it just like was the ideal to me for a long time. And then whenever I felt more drawn to feminine things, it was like, I was like, no, no, I can't want that. Like, I have to be a tomboy. Like, that's what is cool. That's what's better. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about this because I'm like, where did that come from? Like, that's so <laughs> intense. Um, and then, and it's like, I feel like it's been some sort of like weird journey for me to like accept that I do, like I am more feminine and like, I like feminine things and like, uh, you know, it's okay to like pink, like that's not a weakness. Um, and I wonder, cause I've been like, I feel like there must've been stories. There were a lot of stories where like women have to dress as men in order to do anything. Um, I guess that's a lot of, you know, like there's one with like Kira Knightley, she's like Robin Hood's daughter, I think. And then she dresses as a man in order to be able to do I, I don't remember what it's called, but that was, that, that was a incredible. movie. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> I haven't seen it in like 10 years, but like, I really liked that movie. Um, so, you know, just like stories like that, where I don't know, I somehow associated being feminine with being weaker and not interesting. Um, and maybe also like I had like a spy phase. And so, you know, they're always like dressed in, you know, they never wear dresses. They have like, I don't know, the tight spandex outfits or like, you know, at least pants and boots or whatever, um, like more quote unquote masculine look. Um, yeah, anyway, I'm still thinking about it, but that's, that's where I'm at. I had such an opposite experience. <laughs> like, I also love playing with dolls. I was very much like, I've always been way, I've always found women more interesting than men in women's stories more interesting than men ever like, my whole life. Um, like I didn't watch Avatar The Last Girl because I was like, that's a boy show. Like for whatever reason, it's a boy. <laughs> There's one girl, I'm not watching this. Um, but I had a fear, like this deep seated underlying fear of being too masculine and I think that that's like a thing that gets me still you know and a lot of like black women just seem to be like more defeminized and there's kind of like a you know people like oh she looked like a man or she a man like as an insult kind of thing um and I remember very vividly there was a rumor about Sierra when I was in the fifth grade at the sixth grade that she was a hermaphrodite and everyone, and this is like when she first came out, like with goodies, like her first album and everyone was like, you know, she a man, right? Like, look at her, look at her, like her body. And like, it was like, people talk about here, like she was a for this rumor. And I just, yeah, I've just always, like going back to what I said about like this type of feminine ideal it's like, I always wanted to really like fight against that. I wanted to be soft and I wanted to be feminine. I wanted to be like, you know, like the leading girls in like romance movies. Like I wanted that, but I just like don't have, and that's cool. It's only like now that I'm, and it's ties into sexuality as well. Like now that I'm able to really embrace like the spectrum of gender, like being, you know, embracing your masculine side is so beautiful. 
me now, but definitely growing up, I felt like a woman being masculine or too masculine, I'll say. It's like the worst thing she can do. Like she failed and has to get in. And I would fail as a woman if I wasn't that ideal. I think I think for me like looking back on it my childhood was kind of a mix like I wrote in my journal a mix of dolls and dirt like it was like I was into I was into dolls and like fairies and all that stuff but also like I would be like like rolling around in the dirt I like I would just like be outside all the time and like dressing in my own weird little way like in elementary school um so I think it was like it was a a mix between the the stereotypical norms I guess you could say um but also the people that I read about in books or saw in movies like those are the people that I wanted to be like I would get so excited about the characters that I was like reading about um and I was always drawn to like the the scrappy resourceful female lead in a book um, that kind of, like, was adventurous, and, like, I was able to, like, find that, like, toughness in her that I, like, wanted to have, or, like, wanted to be able to express in myself, um, but then again, like, when we played Harry Potter at recess, like, I would be, like, no, I have to be Harry Potter, like, it was just, like, (laughs) that's who, like, I was, like, why would I pick any other character when I could play Harry Potter, like, um, (laughs) but as we're talking about this, like, I just, like, can't help but think like if we didn't have these tv shows or books or whatever showing us gender like what would everyone have done like I'm so curious like how would I have dressed how would I have acted if I didn't see that anywhere um and I have no idea I have no idea like how much of an impact it actually did have on me um yeah it's really crazy to think about I'm sure our parents would have, you know, That's true. Yeah. helped us understand gender. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was always sort of raised on like extremes. Like I would watch wrestling, which is like the most like hyper masculine men wearing nothing and they're oiled and like fighting things. And I was like, ah, role models. Um, and then <laughs> Same as Danielle, like all now that I like rethink all of my all of my inspirations as people or whatever, um, we're all women. And it's a very interesting my dad was a military man and my mom was my mom. Uh, but my dad was like hyper masculine and like I had to play sports and my brother were and I were sort of raised that way. And like, you know, um, but I think about it and it's like all the most important people in my life are all women. And I think it started at a young age where it's just like, it's like Boy Meets World. I was most fascinated by Topanga, of course. It's like um, Saved by the Bell. All the women are great. The men fucking suck. And turns out most of the men as real human beings, those actors also suck as human beings. So that's great. Uh, <laughs> glad I didn't fall down that trail. Um, it's like I've only cried at like two wrestling matches. Both are women. like matches I don't know there's like this like thing within me and then when I found drag and stuff I was like oh this is great like like I always wanted to look like Audrey Hepburn Mm -hmm. like in a way like that sort of like style is like very much like oh my god like 
that's dope as fuck. I don't know what that is, but I want to be that. Um, and Ezra and I talked about this a lot about in terms of like gender expression. I look like a dude. I have a beard and I don't, I feel more comfortable with a beard, but I know that it genders me immediately. Um, so I've been fine trying to figure out how do you find comfort in a trans community that judges very actively based on how you look if you're not androgynous enough. And then I look at, sorry, not to bring up like obscure uh, YouTube singers, but Poppy um, literally played a character where she was a robot. So she had no gender, but it's in like her whole third album was, am I a girl? And like it explored all of these things and it's like, oh God, like that really clicks that you don't have to like present in a way it's sort of like take whatever you want but presentation is up to you i still haven't clicked that but i think it's fascinating like what happens when your like externalness doesn't match like the internalness or whatever presentation you want to present to and who your heroes become very weird i don't know i'm still figuring out for myself i don't know well, and I think to build off of that and not to like get into the second question too early, but I think that the like immediately being gendered by the way you look is really important when it comes to bodies as well, mm-hmm. is that I think that the, in media, the only type of quote unquote androgyny we see are either twinks or uh, assigned people with short, cool haircuts. And everyone's like super thin, everyone's super like in shape, everyone's beautiful. And, you know, as somebody who, like, has never been thin, has never been, like, you know, slight and whatever, is that, like, I will never be able to look like what people assume a trans person should look like or a non-binary person should look like more specifically, and that, like, I will never be able to pass as anything other than male. And, like, that is, you know, no matter how queer I go with my accoutrement, I will, uh, such as saying the word accoutrement, I will, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I will always be gendered that way because I think the only version of androgyny that the media can or chooses to rather reinforce is this very sort of heteronormative, overwhelmingly white, mm-hmm. um, overwhelmingly able-bodied, overwhelmingly small, thin, yeah. small version of of androgyny which in some ways is like i'm glad that we have some portrayal now but like it's still only one body type yeah. and almost always uh, assigned female at birth. uh we've had a lot of conversations so far that i don't feel qualified to to really add my voice to uh and i'll, I'll i think this is also one of them um like i didn't you know i i didn't have the issue just because it wasn't that wasn't for me. I'm cisgendered, um, and that is like something media is very comfortable portraying. Um, the only kind of different angle I think I could come at it from is like growing up. I watched a lot of fantasy and science fiction, and it wasn't until later, like really doing deeper dives into it, besides just like, oh, I like I like these movies, but really like looking at them from this perspective, this cultural perspective of like okay, well, what, you know, what does it really mean to have a male protagonist versus a female protagonist in a certain movie? Um, There are obviously, we hear about it every time there's a Star Wars or or something else about, oh, well, uh, that's a, that's a woman. And 
you know, are they just putting her in there because of politics? You know, like we hear all this crap always. Um, but growing up, that was like sailed over my head. Didn't um, didn't know about it because we're not we're just not taught to be aware of it. Um, so that, yeah, like I, I read I read the question that you sent and was like I I've got nothing. Um, these were only things that I became aware of, uh, kind of similar to, to Danielle. Like I I didn't know anyone that was trans in high school. Um, that was like a when I got to college thing that world kind of opened up for me a lot more um, through through knowing people, but also just becoming more aware of the world and not growing up in um, Virginia as a white guy. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah. yeah. I have an interesting mini question for everybody. Um, we've lightly talked about gender roles. We've been talking a lot about just gender in terms of expression a lot. Um, if you had to say what was like the one thing that you thought was drilled into your mind about what your role, at your specific gender was, what do you think the biggest takeaway was? So an example for me was like uh, growing, being raised as a man or a boy or whatever. Right. Like the biggest thing that I was like drilled into my head from my father, my mother, my society, and then my uh, media was probably that I had to be strong and available at any moment. Available to carry someone's weight, which in one hand is a very positive thing. Yes, you want to be emotionally open and like able but then now you're shouldering all that weight and you're a man. So you're supposed to do that. Like that's your job. Um, so I offer that to everybody else in our last couple minutes on this topic. If there's anything that sticks out or a couple different things. For me, it was catering to men, which is um, ironic considering like I grew up around almost all women like my mom my sister like my dad's not in my life um I just had like my two cousins but even then like most women like to like to give you reasons to do things for boys like I remember when I was like young like maybe seven and my hands were ashy I guess and my sister my older sister was like you need to lotion your hands little boys don't want to hold girls or like little boys want to hold want to hold hands with girls who have soft hands, <laughs> or um, <laughs> or like no man like you need to learn how to cook. No man's gonna you know want a woman who doesn't cook. Like no man wants a girl with a dirty room like that kind. Of, like no man wants this. Men want this. Men want this. Men want this. Um, which made the comp head real real deep. Um, so yeah. Yeah, you're meant to serve men. You're meant to submit. I just saw an article. Uh, Ezra and I were just talking about this. I saw an article <laughs> on a far right wing uh, website. Uh, somebody posted on Twitter that was like, um, "Women uh, should what was it? Uh, why women should faithfully submit to their husbands like Amy Cohen Barrett, and like what a great example that is. Like you could be a strong woman but still submit. I think that I don't know." It just made me think of that and how that's still like a thing where it's like, yes, be strong, but also 
Don't be too strong. I think of all the spy movies that Stephanie was also talking about. It's like James Bond. It's like, yes, do the Bond girls get like a moment where they're like super duper strong? Yes. But then they always are secondary to Bond or whatever. Like their skills are not as sharp or like they're supposed to literally just have sex with James Bond. I guess that's what James Bond movies are. But Or like it's cool to be like strong and like powerful. Yeah. As long as you're still sexually appealing. Like you need to look mm-hmm. hot while you're being strong and powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it's yep. like every annoying like high school thing is like that's the annoying girl, but like she's still hot and can get it. Like it's like why? Like how come her nails are perfect and her makeup is perfect all the time? She's literally fighting people. <laughs> like it made me so angry that movie made me so angry because like anyway off stop <laughs> i think the, i love this movie but the worst example of this is the devil wears prada which is like one of my favorite movies but when anne hathaway walks in they're like this fucking ugly bitch you're like what <laughs> and the entire conflict of that movie is man anne hathaway sure is ugly <laughs> <laughs> um I think I remember when I was little, uh, <laughs> people would be like, oh, you were a salad. And salad meant that you didn't have any curves. So it means that you need to have curves, but you need to be skinny. You need to be, it's just this unrealistic, when it comes to gender presentation, right? This unrealistic expectation that makes for example, Venezuelan women have so many, you know, plastic surgeries and like modify their bodies to, to at the end of the day, as Danielle said, attend to men. Like, how is that? Who said when? How? You know? How do we? Did you say salad? How did we get wrapped up into that? Sorry, what's that? Did you say salad? Salad. I was called. Fucking blows my mind. Holy shit. (laughs) Like a leaf of lettuce. Yeah, oh my god. Like no meat and potatoes. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, I don't know if you're ready to move on to the next question. I wrote 560, but I meant 545. Yeah, I mean, uh, any other thoughts from people about gender roles? Role well, roles? I. Oh, sorry. What are you doing, Miss Stephanie? Sorry. <laughs> I'm being such a woman and I'm apologizing too much. Um, Actually, yeah, that could be, that could have been the the gender role that I mentioned. But what I was going to say is um, I feel like the love interest is the gender role that was ingrained into me from, I guess I'm thinking mostly from media, but yeah, I've just been thinking about this and so often the women's stories don't really start until a man comes in or it's like, like even the Disney princesses, like, I guess Mm -hmm. they're supposed to be strong on their own, but also there's always a man who comes in. And I feel like, I mean, I'm, I am a person who likes romance stories, so I'm also drawn to those, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I've just been thinking about that. I'm, I felt pressure to like, be a, yeah, be appealing to a man so that he could enter my life and I don't know, make it start. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it feels. It's like, oh, your life, your life has no meaning until 
this man comes in. Yeah, right. With his penis and puts. <laughs> Wait. So once upon this island, once on this island, waiting for life to begin, and then she meets the dude. Holy shit! We just. That's dramaturgy. Right into a tree. <laughs> she's a tree and she dies. <laughs> um, Talia, Daniel, anything you want to add? Yeah, I was going to say, like, the, well, just the idea that women take care of other people um, has always been there. And even if there's a character who, like, at first doesn't, then they like learn to almost like, you know, those like the tough, you know, the tough stern woman like breaks down and like turns out she has a soft side, which is just like such a silly concept because you can be kind in so many different kinds of ways. Um, And then also just like, um, I guess this is maybe with the next question a bit, but just um, physical appearance and like beauty. And again, the characters who, Basically, every character you see on TV or in a movie who um, is an attractive person, um, but also maybe they start out unattractive and they become attractive by the end. Um, so it always like ties back to that. Uh, I think just the idea of men not showing emotion, very similar to what, what you said, SMJ, about um, you know needing to be strong. Um, besides a, a couple of uh, somewhat notable exceptions, I don't, it wasn't even so much of like, there was a conscious effort where like a man like repressed the feelings do it for the mood like that that happens sometimes it's much more just that you just don't you just don't see it you know mm-hmm. um which which in some ways can be more uh not harmful but more uh just less helpful like it just if it just doesn't be the topic of emotions or how to how does a character feel about the situation you know that's like uh, like that's writing 101 is you know we, we should know how our character feels about the situation and so the fact that it never comes up, it rarely comes up uh is kind of whack really culturally and just like storytelling wise like mm. it's crazy that that never happened or that rarely happens at least for male uh, presenting characters Thank you for listening to Our Childhood Sucked. Join us every Tuesday for a brand new episode. To learn more about our project, you can visit ourchildhoodsucked.com and follow us on Instagram at ourchildhoodsucked. Performance alert. Keep your eyes peeled for a new virtual workshop of our play. A date will be announced soon. A big thank you to the supporters of our fundraising campaign this summer. Thank you to Cheryl Frank, Tara Kunkel, Julianne Schaub, Maggie Rogers, Shima Reja, Mark Fongheiser, Faulty Stars 1995, Nick Blanchard, Laura Gutierrez, Grace Dillon, Laura Brain, Adnan Ahmed, J.M. Diab, Katie Dembinski, Jared Samuelson, Molly Camp, Oliver Richards, Molly Huey, Patricia Truss, Chandler Black, Maddie Dennis Yates, Ben Eckert, and Tristan Rose Julia. We'll see you next week. <laughs>